You're listening to the Corbett Report. Welcome, friends. James Corbett here at CorbettReport.com. Today is the 8th of November, 2017, and today we're honored to be joined on the line from Beirut, Lebanon, by a commentator who hasn't been on the Corbett Report before, but I hope some of you will be familiar with her work. She's a journalist, political commentator, analyst, whose work has been featured on many different outlets, uh, including RT and uh, Press TV and many others besides. Uh, We're talking to Marwa Osman, uh, who is on Twitter at Osman underscore Marwa one. And I even can't say that properly. So I will put the link in the show notes so that you can go there directly and follow her there on Twitter and get uh, links to all of her interviews and writings. Uh, Marwa Osman, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you very much for having me on your show. All right, we are talking on the 8th of November, obviously in the midst of these crazy tectonic events that are taking place in the Gulf, including, of course, the recent shock resignation question mark of Prime Minister Hariri of Lebanon in Saudi Arabia on Saudi TV. What on earth is going on? Uh, just some crazy events happening right now, and obviously we're right in the midst of it. So well, there's breaking news happening every minute uh, as we're as we're speaking here. So let's try to make sense of what's happening Can you give us the latest on what's going on and what do we know and what don't we know right now? Well, that would be my pleasure to do so, despite the fact that it's very much complicated. But I'd like to start from the end, actually. Uh, Today, this morning at 11 a.m., there was a tweet uh, by Al-Arabiya channel, which is the official channel of uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, which is... uh, and it calls its allegiance to Mohammed bin Salman, who's now uh, heading the purge in Saudi Arabia. They tweeted a photo of him and they wrote breaking news uh, in a matter of hours. The announcement of uh, Mohammed bin Salman becoming uh, king. Uh, yes, exactly. That's exactly that's what I did. I was like, what? That fast? But then it was deleted a couple of minutes later. But obviously, we all have screenshots by now. Uh, so that that is a, that is like a wow. I mean, hold on. Dude. So, yeah, basically, let's go back to what was going on and then talk uh, uh, extensively about the details of of this situation. What happened is at the beginning of last week, our prime minister, Saad al-Hariri, went on a visit. It's a natural, ordinary, routine visit that he usually does to Saudi Arabia uh, to talk about the regional uh, affairs or to talk about certain uh, issues that may may or may not be required of him to do or not do uh, in Lebanese politics because we're not going to lie to ourselves. He is being, uh, uh, at the moment, coerced, but at that time he was being led by the Saudi, uh, um, uh, if you will, interests in Lebanon. So he went on that trip and he came back on Wednesday. And on Wednesday, he had multiple meetings with several regional diplomats, uh, including uh, Ali Akbar Wulayati, who is the senior advisor of Said Ali Khamenei. And it was a very good uh, meeting. And both of them were very positive after the meeting when they did uh, each did their own statement. And uh, also during that day, Saad al-Hariri signed uh, the assignment of a new uh, uh, Lebanese ambassador to Syria, That was a shocker for me. I'll be very honest with you because he was very vocal about not doing that, but he then ended up doing it. So just after that, and I'm not saying it's linked, I'm just saying what happened. After that, he was summoned directly back to Saudi Arabia. That is 24 hours after he returned to Lebanon. He was summoned with a degree of urgency. So he left Lebanon urgently and he only was allowed to have a number, a few number, which are counted on one hand of bodyguards. That's how urgent that was. So he left Lebanon. I am pretty sure he had no idea what he was going 
or putting himself into, but he left on the on the matter of urgency. And on uh, Saturday, uh, midday, approximately midday, uh, we started uh, hearing about breaking news saying that Saad al-Hariri, the prime minister of Lebanon, has resigned in a recorded video from Saudi Arabia on the uh, um, channel, on the official channel of Al-Saud, which is Al-Arabiya channel. At first, we thought it was a joke, to be honest, because we were shocked. Because there was no evidence that something was wrong with the government. There was no evidence, whether from him or from his rivals, for that matter, that there was something going on, politically speaking, inside of Lebanon that would hint to a resignation. Not at all. And we will talk about that as well. But what happened after that is what's much more interesting. The resignation of Saad al-Hariri was... At, I remember very well because I was prepared to go out and my day was, was wrecked because I had to go to work, back to work. So it was a Saturday. It was about around 1 p.m. Beirut time. And we heard that. And just two hours later, breaking news about the arrest and the detention of 11 very important princes and more than 20 senior figures that were arrested by Mohammed bin Salman on the orders of Mohammed bin Salman. And uh, uh, later on, an hour later, it was uh, broadcasted or it was announced that, um, of course, via Twitter. All of this is via Twitter because we cannot get anything from any media channel. So via Twitter, it was announced that the Ritz-Carlton is actually the new prison. And we knew that only because of the memo that was sent out by the Ritz-Carlton to the actual guests there, asking them politely to leave. So that there, well, there we go. It was, and the memo said that it was a matter of national security and an urgent matter by the government that we need you, we ask of you to leave. So we're talking about a five or maybe seven class star uh, hotel that is very, very luxurious that, that actually hosted the uh, uh, Donald Trump summit that happened um I think it was two months or so ago, but it was midsummer. And uh, so it's, it's that. And it's the same hotel. We'll talk about that, too. It's the same hotel that Mohammed bin Salman had hosted the convention about uh, the technology. We all heard about Sophia, the robot who was given the, the, national, the Saudi nationality. And we heard about the new city, the new uh, uh, intelligence city that bin Salman wants to build, which is Neom. That it was hosted just days before in that hotel in the Ritz-Carlton. And we started linking the manner that bin Salman was able to arrest all of these princes at once, meaning that they were in the country all together because of that convention. He did that convention to bring all the local and international and regional investors into the country to come watch what, uh, what the new investments in Saudi Arabia for his 2030 plan is for this new Niyam um, a city, smart city, which, by the way, Al-Walid bin Talal refused to invest in, which is also a big question mark. Why would he refuse? So that happened two days later. Everybody goes back to the, the Ritz-Carlton, but as detainees, which is shocking. Now, what's shocking is not only having someone like Al-Walid bin Talal, whose net worth is more than $18 billion, being detained under the, the cases of corruption. And here we're talking about corruption of princes who already have everything, are, are you actually able to, uh, uh, like, can you buy these men? These might buy you, we, you can't buy them. So that's also a question about corruption here. What kind of a corruption is he talking about? Is it political corruption or actual monetary corruption? That's another question. So what happened is the, 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 the entire mainstream media focused a lot on this 
special prince was Al-Walid bin Talal, who has um, shares in, in major companies like Twitter and so forth. But there is also Mithab bin Abdullah, who is, who is he's, um, he's the head of the national uh, uh, security uh, uh, apparatus in the kingdom. Now, if we go back to what happened at the beginning of summer, summer 2017, when Mohammed bin Salman issued this coup against Mohammed bin Nayef, who was back then the crown prince, and he took his place, he also took control of the army and he took control of the police force inside of the kingdom, which means he became the leader and he became of both armies and he also became the uh, uh, minister of defense and the minister of interior and He's everything now. And he also became the crown prince. Now, if you go through what happened since uh, uh, the the um, ousting of uh, Muhammad bin Nayef, where all of these princes who are now detained were part of his party, they were loyal to Muhammad bin Nayef. So he, it was obvious that Muhammad bin Salman was just waiting for the right time, maybe, to get to them. And he did that investment uh, convention about uh, uh, Neom and the robot, etc. in the risk Carlton. He, he got them all in Saudi Arabia. He detained them two days later. Now, after that, we started hearing about deaths, about fire, exchange of fire. We had uh, Fahd bin Abdullah dying. When Fahd bin Abdullah, I'd like to remind everyone because it's, I'm, I'm saying a lot of names and it, it might be a bit complicated for people who don't know about the royal family. I still sometimes confuse them. But the thing is, we know very much Fahd bin Abdullah because he is Saad al-Hariri's best friend since they were very young. They used to go to the pubs together. They used to go to everywhere around the world with the yacht and, you know, the luxurious lives of the prince. He was there with him. And every investment that Saad al-Hadid has made, Fahd bin Abdullah was part of that investment. So Fahd bin Abdullah was about to get detained and there was exchange of fire at the entrance of his gate uh, at the palace where he got shot. He went to the hospital. Two days later, he's dead. He's announced dead. There you go. And then later on, you have the helicopter that was downed at the border area between Saudi Arabia and Yemen, which had on it a prince and several other uh, ministerial and senior figures in the area of Asir. And the area of Asir is the area bordering Yemen. It's on the southern part of uh, Saudi Arabia. A downing of a plane. Exact next day, which was yesterday, Haaretz issues a huge report, the the, the um, Israeli Haaretz newspaper issues a huge report and says it was Saudi warjets that downed that helicopter because that prince was trying to flee the country. So if that's not a purge, I don't know what we can call it. It's not a family feud, obviously, because you don't kill your members of the same family. But again, it's it's the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. It's, it's Saudi Najdis. We don't know what they are thinking. We don't know how they are going to uh, work it out. And by the way, Mohammed bin Salman himself, he was a, he was at a certain point kicked out of the country because at at the at very early stage of his life, he came to Saudi Arabia after getting his uh, degree somewhere. I don't know where exactly he got his degree from, but he came to Saudi Arabia and he paid a huge amount of money to buy weapons. And he decided that he wants to liberate Bilat Faris, which is Persia. But his his dad was uh, was was crazy, and the king at that time, King Abdullah, was like, "Are you mad, boy? Get out of the country!" He kicked him out, and now after Abdullah died, he came back. He started just like dominoes, breaking them all, falling apart. He took the 
the main chair. He's preparing herself to take the throne. And from today's tweet from Al Arabiya, it shows clearly that he's very eager to get to that throne and as fast as possible. And he wants to make all the changes, whether in social life, in economic life, in military life. Uh, I don't know what kind of life also he wants to, to get his nose into, but he wants to make changes and really fast. And those changes, if he if he doesn't have the necessary skills and experience, he must have some consultants of some sort. What are they telling him? What are they consulting him? But if Kushner is his consultant and Donald Trump is his consultant, then he is doomed to failure because these people don't know how to manage their own political life. How about Saudi Arabia, which they know nothing about, especially the tribal system of Saudi Arabia. What the Western world has not seen is the hashtags that have been trending on the, on the Saudi Arabian social media, which is a hashtag not in formal Arabic, but in spoken Saudi Arabic, which means you have to be familiar with their own hashtags to follow it and see the videos of the wreckage in the streets, of the fires, of a certain protest by people who don't show their faces because these people are loyal to the princes who are detained. And now Mohammed bin Salman has his hand on the national uh, security apparatus. He has his hand on the army, has had on every security and intelligence apparatus in the country. Therefore, with a from his fingers, he could just wipe out whoever he wants. And we saw him do it to his own cousins. So after that, with all that, just breathing that in, breathe out what Thamir Sabhan, who is the uh, state minister or uh, minister of, of state of, uh, of the Gulf Affairs of Saudi Arabia, who is by definition the person holding the file of Lebanon. Which, is, which means he is responsible of what goes politically and militarily inside of Lebanon, because this is how uh, people with, with, uh, with tendency of occupation think. So he's responsible of that, and he has been issuing all sorts of statements of war-mongering statements, saying that now we are in a uh, state of war with Lebanon because the government of, of Lebanon is still backing up Hezbollah, is still uh, resisting the fact that Hezbollah needs to be destroyed. He's talking about the lives of humans as if they are flies. He wants to bomb Dahye. Dahye, the terminology Dahye, literally means suburbs. It is the suburb of Beirut, and its world, it's, it's, it's known uh, through the mainstream media that Dahye is Hezbollah's stronghold. Look at me. I'm speaking to you from Dahye. Trust me, if you want, I'll take you on a trip via Skype anytime of any day or night and show you that it's not. It's a big lie because people cannot comprehend the fact that Hezbollah is the people. It's not an organization. It is a social, political, military organization, which means it is through the people, by the people. Therefore, Thamir Sabhan is threatening the Lebanese civilians to a war that would result in thousands of deaths because he sees Hezbollah as a threat. I don't know why, because Hezbollah is a threat to Israel, not to him, but this is how he sees it. So basically... All of this put together with the last tweet that I read before I came uh, on uh, with you on the show was a tweet by a Saudi uh, opposition a, a leader who's residing outside of Saudi Arabia. Uh, he's known by by the uh, hashtag, by the, um, it's at MBC uh, underscore one, I think. 
if, if not, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, correct it later on via tweet. He said, he tweeted just moments before I went on with you that these princes were offered to close all their corruption files in return for their full allegiance to Mohammed bin Salman becoming the crown, uh, the, 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 the king, king of, of Saudi Arabia. And they all refused, especially Mitab. Walid bin Talal, and a third one who I can't get to, to memorize his name because it's too long. So these three main princes refused. The others are refusing. The senior figures, businessmen and officials refusing. And because of that, a new wave of arrest, arresting and detain, detentions have taken place over the past few hours as well. Just incredible. Just absolutely incredible. And so by the time people are hearing this conversation, it may be King MBS there in the yes. kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Yes, Who knows? Um, amazing stuff. So uh, uh, putting these pieces together, I mean, clearly the Hariri resignation is a key part of the precipitation of this event. And the only thing that I can think of in that regard is that this is a provocation. Is this designed to get Lebanon stirred up so that they can justify some sort of military incursion or whatever it is? I missed something very important to tell you. Saad al-Hariri, our prime minister, is a dual citizen. He has a Saudi citizenship. According to the Saudi law, they cannot detain him or even send him to court if he is an official of another country. That's a court because by diplomacy, he is, he is saved or immune by this diplomacy. They coerced him into the resignation. And then when he resigned, they no longer look at him as a Lebanese citizen, but as a Saudi citizen. And everyone keeps forgetting that Saad al-Hariri has a, a warrant uh, by his name because of his bankruptcy of Saudi Ojeh, the, the, the company in Saudi Arabia that he led into bankruptcy since 20, I think since 20... Uh, 12, if I'm wrong, it's either 2012 or 2014, but it's in the midst of the war on Syria. There was a, a, a warrant issued against him to get him arrested and, and bring him to court because of, of, of certain embezzlement cases. And when he became prime minister, it was not Mohammed bin Salman's wish for him to be so, but he came prime minister, became prime minister before Mohammed bin Salman became crown prince. And none of the Saudi um, Royals at that time wanted it, but Mohammed bin Naif was like, it's okay, just do it, but we don't really like it because they wanted to keep the void in the Lebanese uh, government. He became prime minister, and since ever since Mohammed bin Salman came to power, he's been poking and poking and provoking into the Lebanese politics because he didn't like the fact that now we have a president, we have uh, Hariri as a prime minister, and Nabi Bir is still the, the speaker. So basically, a functioning state we were able through Hezbollah to and the Lebanese army to eradicate ISIS and Nusra from our borders and from the cells within our country borderline. We were able to live in a secure environment in a wave of chaos all around us. They didn't like that because they saw that as a push for power for Hezbollah, not a push for power for the entire uh, Lebanese government. They just saw that Hezbollah is winning. They didn't see that actually Lebanon is functioning, certain bills were going through, certain investments were being underway. We were, tr we were supposedly yesterday, Tuesday, was supposed to be the date of the prime minister signing the new bills to start uh, drilling for oil and gas in the Lebanese sea and, and land, which is a huge deal for the Lebanese economy. He was super excited about this, and he was even more excited about announcing a fourth uh, um, 
Paris conference, which means more debt for us. But anyways, he was excited because this would actually bring the cycle of economy better. It's a bit confusing, but it would make the, the, the economic uh, situation in Lebanon better. So basically, the Saudis coerced him kidnapped him. I don't know what you want to say about it. We have no idea where he is, what he's doing, or why can't we contact him? His own family members, his own bodyguards, two of them were sent back home. Gee, he just have two now. Two of them have nothing to say. They cannot say anything. They didn't talk to their families. Their phones were off. His phone is off. What is going on? If it's a matter, if it's a matter, a matter of internal Lebanese politics, then why is he being kept there? Shouldn't they send him back for him to instill certain fire inside of Lebanon? But no, I have until now I have full. I had doubt, but now I have faith that this has nothing to do with Lebanon. It actually has to do with with the purge that's going on inside. Because Saad al Hariri is part of the uh, group or the party that is against Muhammad bin Salman and the evidence is the death of Fahad bin Abdullah, the best friend and the uh, businessman uh, partnership and the partner and uh, businessman who partners uh, Saad Hariri with all his investments is now dead. He's been shot dead. And why should be Saad Hariri's case any different of Mansour Abdrab, of uh, Abdrabu Mansour Hadi's case, who's the ex-president uh, of Yemen? It's the same thing. Why should his case be any different of Riyadh Hijab, who is the opposition leader, who is now is also detained because of embezzlement cases and cases of corruption inside of Saudi Arabia? Why should it be any different? He is also part of the project that Saudi Arabia has been working on for the past decade or so to try to create chaos uh, uh, that they could benefit from the Middle East. So what is the reaction on the ground in Beirut? Are, do people have that same understanding that you have or are people still just confused or, or what, what's, what, are they, what are they thinking about this? The, the role of the media is, is, is very, very important. We have two main uh, channels in Lebanon that are directly funded by Saudi Arabia, which are LBC and MTV, who keep uh, stirring up some sort of secretarian, if not secretarian, some sort of a division in, uh, between the Lebanese uh, themselves. But the thing is all, and this is a first, all the heads of uh, political blocs and all the uh, religious uh, personnel in, in Lebanon, we know religion is a very, very important part of the Lebanese political spectrum, uh, they all stood together with one stance behind the president saying that whatever the case is, we just want Saad Hariri back. We want to know that the prime minister is okay and is in good health and everything else will be dealt with later on. He just needs to come back. And today, uh, President um, uh, our president, Michel Aoun, uh, told uh, his guests that the presidency did not accept the resignation of Saad al-Hariri and technically he is still the prime minister of Lebanon. And to prove that, he changed his cover photo on Twitter. Our president changed his cover photo on Twitter to a photo where he is sitting in the middle and he has on his uh, right uh, hand uh, Nabih Berri, the speaker, and then his, on his left hand, Saad al-Hariri, the prime minister. So if that's not a huge message, what do they want more? And we started listening to a lot of, of bad word of mouth and statements coming from the Saudi channel against our own president and, and trying to diss him or trying to speak bad about him by using terminologies that are very insulting. For example, for they think that they are, are insulting him by saying that Christian man. Excuse me? You know, they are trying to insult our president by naming or branding him as a Christian. First of all, of, of course he's Christian, and we are proud of that because this shows that we are, as Lebanese, actually a very um, diverse and very uh, different 
a society that accepts to have a Christian uh, a president in, uh, in a region that is wrecked by extremism, especially Islamic extremism. We don't need your form of extremism. Keep your ideology to yourself. We are very happy with our president and what he has done so far for our country. We are very happy with our speaker who is actually balancing the entire political spectrum. And we were very proud of our prime minister, despite the political bickering that we have with him as a political party. But he was working for the better of the economy of this of this country. He was working for the better security uh, conditions. And he was actually open for dialogue. If you go back for the past Last year, all of Saad al-Hariri's uh, uh, comments and statements, statements, official ones, were about dialogue, about openness, about brotherhood. They didn't like that because they want sectarianism, killing, and blood. Well, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see if they're able to precipitate that or how people do react. It'll be interesting to see if we see Hariri again, if he gets back to Lebanon. All of this, of course, in a complete state of flux at the moment. So we're still just kind of... Yeah, rolling with the uh, the breaking news cycle. Is there anything else you want people to know um, before we end this conversation right now? Uh, yes, I would just like to, to let the, the people know, especially the Lebanese ones who are residing in the West, that uh, it's all fine. Everything is good in the country. There is no, no such thing as urgency or emergent uh, cases. It's, it's a very, actually, it's a very good uh, situation right now. We're just waiting on our prime minister to come back. And please be cool because there will not be a war because it's physically, militarily, and psychologically impossible to have a war on Lebanon at this moment, not from Israel, definitely not from Saudi Arabia. So keep your calm, keep it cool, because we are cool. We know how things are running and we are okay with it. We just want our prime minister to come back. We'll fight with him again later on. But at the moment, we just want this cloud to go away and we'll be very happy with that. All right. Well, fascinating developments. I really do hope people will be following uh, your coverage of this. Uh, again, we'll direct people to your Twitter at, uh, at Osman underscore Marwa one. Again, the link will be in the show notes for this. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for having me on your show. The Corbett Report is brought to you by The Corbett Report subscriber. A weekly newsletter featuring James Corbett's international forecaster editorial, recommended reading and viewing, discounts on Corbett Report DVDs, and once a month, a subscriber-only video. Sign up today to start receiving your copy at corbettreport.com support.